This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel, owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara-on-the-Lake, or check out their website at isellers.ca. Find out how you can support us, like Adnan, by visiting patreon.com slash twoguystalkingwine. You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Andre, I got a call. Yes. Um, in, well, late July. And um, as you know, I went to Washington in, in, uh, in April. Yes. And uh, I got a call from Washington uh, from Doug Marshall, who's the guy who marshaled us along uh, through the trip. And he said, I got to meet with you guys. Yes. And Doug, and Doug is someone that I met um, a few years ago when I did that trip to, to Oregon. He connected me with a winery in uh, Washington as well on a recommendation. But I met him in Toronto at actually a non-Washington wine event. But it was good to connect yeah. with him again. And then it was, it was nice. He said, you know what? I really want to I, I really see you guys. Uh, and then we talked him into a podcast. It was it was just supposed to be uh, a little Washington introduction to Washington State dinner, um, and what it turned into was a what I think one of our most fun podcasts. Definitely, because uh, he's th- young, he's hip, he looks like Bradley Cooper, um, and yeah. And uh, we did spend quite a bit of time talking about Chateau Saint Michel, but the. Um, the yes, podcast is not paid for by Chateau Saint Michel. I think it's just the conversation gravitated that way because you and I both do drink quite a bit of, of Chateau Saint Michel in Washington because it's regularly available in the market and frankly it's uh bang for buck. I know we talk about that in the podcast, but I just want everyone listening to this to know that this is not supposed to be a commercial for Chateau Saint Michel. It's just we ended up talking about what we knew a little bit. But if San o- Chateau Saint Michel wants to throw a little money uh, to our Patreon, we're okay with that too. <laughs> and that's completely shameless. But anyways, uh, here's our chat about Washington wine with uh, Doug Marshall. Michael, with how the hell are you, Andre? I can barely see you. There's sunlight behind you. Okay, do you want my sunglasses? No, I got my own. Okay, so you've brought uh, one of your friends onto the podcast here. Well, more like an acquaintance, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about fair. Yeah, that that would work. <laughs> this is uh, Doug Marshall from uh, from Washington. Hi there, everybody. Happy to be here. And uh, uh, when we talked about Washington State, uh, this is the guy that I traveled through uh, Washington and a little bit of Oregon. And a little bit. <laughs> we just barely crossed that border, didn't we? Yeah. Well, that's because we took a, a wrong wrong turn. turn. <laughs> that's right, yeah. um, so uh, we've done a little bit of Washington. We were in Seattle, uh, as, as talked about at uh, at Taste Washington. And uh, then Doug took us on a great tour around, and and we and Doug, you listened to the podcast, yeah. So you heard my extreme jealousy come through the through the microphone. It's uh, very high (laughs) on the list to head back to Washington. I'd go back in a heartbeat. Well, if listeners go back, they remember that I drove from Regina to Oregon, and we made a pit stop in Walla Walla, actually on your recommendation at uh, Lake Hall. 41? Yeah, Lacole number 41. Okay, I can never remember the number. <laughs> I, I know it's somewhere between 40 and 43. Well, you so, nailed it that time. Okay. 
So how do they get their name, by the way? Is, is there, do you know that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. Michael, so. it's on the website. Everybody knows the story. <laughs> oh, well, right. you called it a Cole 43 the other day, so uh, I'd well, like to figure out what... Well, similar story to the Cole 43. It happens to be the 41st school district, not the 43rd. Uh, it's the French house, or French schoolhouse. So Got it. It's literally a winery built in an old French schoolhouse, which you'll see on the label on every one of their bottles. There you go. And it's kind of cool, because when you go into the building, when you take a look at the label... You know, you kind of picture like a, a rural one-room schoolhouse, but when you get to the winery, <laughs> it's actually significantly bigger yeah, yeah. than even the label looks. And it is, you know, it, it was our, our one pit stop between uh, Portland and Fernie, B.C. Mm-hmm. It was so worth the, the pit stop, so thanks for the recommendation. No, absolutely. I think that's a super integral winery for Washington State, and you definitely don't see enough of it up here in we, Ontario. Yep. We drove by it. I think you pointed it out because yeah. they were having an event or something that night. So Yeah. yeah they Did, couldn't. I can't remember. if The funny thing about that that uh, schoolhouse is actually it used to be a functioning school, obviously, and right next door, uh, Woodward Canyon, yep. another quintessential winery in Washington, uh, Rick Small, the owner and proprietor there, it actually went to that school when he was uh, when he was in grade school. In but high he school. did not speak any French to us at all. So was it was it a functioning French school? Or yeah. when, when did it like? Is there are there a lot of French speaking people down in that corner of uh, Washington? You know, less less and less now. Okay. Um, but Walla Walla was actually founded by French Canadians um, oh. back in back in the day of the of the Quebec fur traders. They would come down the Columbia River after finding their pelts in BC, and they would go down and sell to the indigenous tribes down there. And then over time, they would marry into the indigenous tribes, and that created the kind of French, French, uh, I guess, aspect of that, of that region. They probably liked the summers. <laughs> they did like yeah. the summers. A little different so. than the winters in B.C. Okay. <laughs> well, what are so. the winters like in, in Washington? Uh, they, they, they vary, but pretty cold in eastern Washington. Um, Canada, you, Canada cold? or Well, it, it does depend. Um, so obviously most people think of Washington. They think of Seattle. They think of rain. They, and that's absolutely correct. Yeah. But that's nowhere, not at all like where our wine is actually grown. On the east side of the Cascade Mountains, there's a huge rain shadow effect. And so you actually have kind of a mid-plains desert. Um, and so during the summer, it's very, very hot. But in the winters, really ice cold. It can be, it can be pretty frigid down you know, definitely minus zero most quite quite often. So we should talk a bit about zero zero your way or zero <laughs> our way. See, I've been I've been doing the international game for a few years now, okay. so I'm I'm learning I'm learning your skills with okay because because zero Fahrenheit is cold as balls. <laughs> oh, yeah. minus zero, zero Celsius zero Celsius yeah. is is tolerable. Yeah, absolutely, so. Yeah. absolutely. So we should talk a, a real quickly about what we have in our glass. You were very happy to get this. Oh, and, it's, uh, this is like totally my style of Chardonnay. Like this is well, a, okay. Now he's told everybody it's Chardonnay. Yeah, so, <laughs> guilty, so, well, guilty, guilty I mean, pleasure. They're not blind t- tasting. Yeah, they're not blind <laughs> tasting. But I mean, uh, it's interesting because you really Just, don't think Michael, of Washington been, for Chardonnay. Like, that's not right. the first wine that comes. We've to We've really mind. been spending a lot of time talking about and drinking Chardonnay on this when podcast. It's, it's his favorite variety, right? Totally. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> totally. Oh. Did you Did you hear a recent podcast I, about Chablis? Like we spent. Yeah, that's And it right. was totally Michael's request to do that. I had nothing to do with it. Andre, I I arrive at his house and I'm like, okay, I understand we're gonna do some podcasts tonight and he's like yes i have uh, some vino verde uh i have uh we had something else and then chablis you know, and, the- and then i have chablis and i'm like oh well then let's get right on to chablis so i can get that over with <laughs> that's not well, how that went down so. <laughs> well good well no i'd be happy to talk about it. we've got a, a great lineup of wines here today. yeah super uh, exciting most of them are available in ontario and what we're drinking right now is the reader's chardonnay the 2016 from jay bookwalter winery um 
this is the first release that uh, that we've gotten here in Ontario, and the second one is the 2017 is actually on its way in. Oh wow! Um, but it's it's a great, great, really striking bottle with a green background and these these striking the readers, uh, yeah, readers, readers on them, you know, glasses. glasses. So it's a, it's a really beautiful Chardonnay, absolutely. Yeah, um, how much does this cost? So here you'll find it right around the twenty dollar Canadian. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. Um, I mean, this is something I would pour for someone. I mean, this kind of strikes all the notes of what you would expect from Chardonnay. And I think the key thing is it has great acidity, mm-hmm. even though it is a little bit bigger and rounder yep. with uh, vanilla and spice from, from oak use. Uh, it's just a very ripe Chardonnay while still having a bit of restraint. Um, yeah. This is exactly what I'm looking for when I'm craving, I guess, when, I'm, when I think I'm craving Californian Chardonnay, I guess I should be grabbing Washington <laughs> instead. And um, obviously you're part of the tourism aspect of washington uh book walter's restaurant is a, a oh, yeah. must go to when you're when you're yeah there. absolutely if you find yourself in richland which uh, yeah. we did yeah. and go to jay book walter's restaurant called fiction which is actually connected directly to the one yeah everything's everything's book related he's, yeah. re- he's really gone full hog on that that absolutely. name book walter antagonist so. you know he's got a number of different different wines really focused on the literary arts and, and andre i got a bottle of cab franc when i was there i think that's right if you i i know you're a big cab so fan from washington but yes. if you want to try a really good franc we'll open it together you know i, I really I, I, did i make that did i make that promise i think i just did i, didn't I think you did i mean recorded. it is it <laughs> is just to see to oh. see what uh yeah okay we got the square jar, uh, square jar. curious to see like how cab franc does in washington because i don't really think of yeah. cab franc when i think of washington obviously think of cab Sauv, and especially affordable cab Sauv. yeah no, absolutely. Cab Franc is definitely one of the unsung heroes of Washington. Uh, we don't produce a ton of it, but we're seeing a lot of growth in that category, and people absolutely love it. You know, whether that's going to become in the next fifty hundred years the the thing in Washington, who knows? But right now, there's some really stellar examples. You know, you sure. already make Cabernet Sauvignon. You can leave Franc to Ontario, would you please? You know, we're no, really focusing on, on blending tools. Come on, dude, blending. No, tools. I don't want to. I don't want to see straight Franc from from Washington. Uh, they can use it. They can blend all they want. You know what? <laughs> we we are a region that sh- we that that makes really good Cabernet Franc, and. Uh, a, Here's where I get on a soapbox for Ontario right. for a second. It's it's the great variety that we should really be showcasing to the world before the world takes it over and realizes that it's a great variety. Okay, but yeah, just in terms of fair. climate, like Washington is so different that the Cab Franc from Washington would be it so is, different than but, anything from But Ontario. you don't want to let a, a region like Washington go, okay, you know what? We're really going to show the world when we make a Cabernet <laughs> Franc. And then we go, here's an Ontario. And you go, oh, it's not like Washington. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's okay, like okay, Rieslings. People that go, oh, well, it's not like it's not like Germany. That's Riesling. fair, but well, there's no. still lots of room in the market to, to carve it up in a smaller segment. Right. I'll, I'll go. I'll go back to the to the you know the industry, and I'll make make sure that they're, they're concerned. <laughs> yeah, about that's, that. what okay, that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, we don't get that over here. Well, <laughs> we should move on to the. Like, you still got some Chardonnay in your glass, but we've got I another do. bottle on the table here. Doug's a lightweight when it comes you know, to drinking. Jeez, I know. I'm, I'm going a little bit slow for you guys. So. <laughs> Hey, it's been a long day. I, I took the day off off work. It is thirty degrees in Toronto right now. Oh yeah, we're kind of tra- hitting the dog days is, of summer, and the traffic is is thirty degree heat kind of traffic. Where oh everybody my is just, uh, I must have passed four accidents on the QEW coming here, and I couldn't figure out why everybody was hitting everybody. I was yeah. like, it's 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 not like it's raining or anything. This is glorious. What's in my glass right now? Absolutely, just off the nose. Like this is just absolutely glorious. Oh, Syrah for sure. Yeah. What gave that away was in the bottle. The bottle, uh, yes. It's, now that I see it, yes, it's there. But it's, it's definitely got that smoky, no, uh, smoky note. There's a little bit of raspberry in here. Now, is Pepper. Washington considered a, a cool climate? 
growing region or still there, there are areas absolutely okay um you know some are more northern northern growing areas a little cooler you know lake chelan which people don't really know as, as much about out here um columbia gorge is definitely cooler kind of almost more towards the oregon you know style but you're still seeing some of the more washington focused uh, varieties okay it's definitely a pretty warm region hits some higher heat units than than kind of most of the the, the major regions of, of the world, for sure. So what is the, the key, then, for wine? I know this is a, a really technical question, so if you got to take this off the no, book, we can sure. do it back. Is What's the secret to holding on to acidity, then, if you're working in a warm climate region? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's really two major factors. Um, factor one is going to be the, uh, the di- what we call diurnal shift, which usually turns into a bit, bit of a drinking game when we have these tours in town because we talk about it so much. Um, you'll, you'll be in the middle of, of noon and it'll be, you know, 35 degrees Celsius and you'll be walking around just absolutely sweating. But by the time you're sitting outside at hedges having dinner, you need a sweater on because you're dropping down to, you know, 13, 14 degrees. Oh, cool. So it's that huge shift from daytime high temperatures to nighttime low temperatures kind of lets the, the vines rest for a bit each night and it's not constantly ripening with heat. Um, and that's definitely one piece of it. The other piece similarly is a huge drop-off in temperature from our you know, the peak of the growing season, you know, July, August. Very, very hot, hotter than many of the wine-growing regions in the world. But because of that really high northerly latitude up on the 46th, 47th parallel, that temperature just plummets when you get into kind of September, October. And so instead of having, you know, your, your, your vines continue to grow, continue to build sugar content in the grapes, you have that period of rest where you're not really increasing the bricks, but you're really starting to lock in that acidity, creating the wines that we have today with a lot of acidity. So when would uh, harvest typically start for, I guess, Chardonnay would probably be your earliest ripening variety yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you've got some sparkling wines that are going to come in super early. But oh, cool. Very, on, a, on a smaller scale, for sure. But then the majority of our, of our harvest typically is going to be around September, October, even into sometimes early November uh, hmm. as our harvest periods and the acidity on the Syrah is uh, is pretty good like I mean it's, it's holding on I, I think um, if there was one thing I had to warn someone about with pouring the Syrah is it does have a lot of vanilla from what I'm assuming is a little bit more new oak but there is we're no, doing this there quite young it's, it's, yeah. 20, it's mm-hmm. 2016 I think yeah. in a couple of years it would relax and integrate a little bit more yeah. like it's it's definitely warm and it's got a lot of like it's very more southern Rhone style than northern. There's sure. no there's no meatiness to this. It is all no. fruit, all killer, no fill. All fruit, but as you said, there, there, there's that oak note that really uh, that really kicks in there, and I I think it'll integrate with the fruit. Give it a couple, yeah. as you said, a couple years. Did you taste any of the sparklings while you were in? in we the did. State? We uh, there was one place that uh, you kept pulling out bottles from probably Treveri after yes, we got that's off right. Bone Row. Yeah, that's I right. think uh, after every winery we had a bottle of that. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After every winery, we had a every bottle winery, of, a bottle of, oh God, a bottle my, of sparkling. My boss is going to be a little bit nervous about what this Wait, and how many wineries did you go to? Wait, you're, I thought you were the boss. <laughs> so, uh, we did uh, maximum four in one day. Four, Yeah, four or five. Uh, uh, and then th- the lightest day was three. So five one day, three one day. Yeah. You typically, uh, yeah. when you come over the mountains, uh, we typically only do about three because it's a pretty, it's a trek. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a trek and it's, it's a large. Lots of time to drink. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, you cover a lot of distance and, and, you know, talking about Syrah, I think that that's one of the things that's really, really interesting about Washington is because when you think U.S. wines, a lot of people will think California. They don't realize the mm-hmm. scale that Washington really is. Yep. It's about a three hour drive 
for us to get from Woodenville, which is kind of uh, just outside of Seattle where there's a lot of tasting rooms, out to Yakima Valley, which is really kind of the beginning of the wine region there. And then another maybe hour and a half to two hours to get all the way to Walla Walla. And when you talk about Syrah, one of the cool things about Washington Syrah is, is the expression that it gets from one location to another. It really is, is completely a chameleon based on whatever that, that specific site location is. You see a lot of differences from places. It's a really cool thing about Syrah in, in general yeah. is that it's, it's really reflective of terroir, but it's also, I, I'd say the, the colors that you end up with are, are far broader than another grape, like say Chardonnay, which is also very responsive to warm and cool climates. Like we get really great Syrah from Ontario, but if we were pouring a cassava Syrah next to, and I call 41 Syrah mm-hmm. for someone who knows very little or nothing about wine, there's no way they would be able to guess that it's the same grape. Yeah, no, that's true. And uh, what, what I, what I found interesting was uh, right there in Woodenville was where all those, as you said, all those tasting rooms are there. Like if somebody is traveling to Washington and don't want, doesn't want to make that three hour, yeah. then the, I think Woodenville is a great place to go. Cause there's like, just how many are in there? Like I, I've counted a I don't even, I stopped counting after a while. God, I'm really embarrassed not to know the exact number, but I know that it's... Oh, some- so you stopped counting, too, is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. It's somewhere around 150 wineries and like, tasting like rooms. Just right in, in that, there, yeah. In that general area. Uh, you, asked about, or you asked about tourism a little bit earlier, yeah. and for your general tourist who's coming to Seattle yep. to see Seattle, Space Needle, Pike's Place, Mar- Pike Place Market, you know, those different types of things, catch a Mariners game... Um, it's it's a really easy way to also experience that wine industry because it's about 30 minutes outside of Seattle. Okay. You've got a ton of wineries. It was originally kind of, you know, that's where Chateau Saint-Michel is located, and around Chateau Saint-Michel has become this booming uh, kind of urban wine industry that uh, that's really accessible. Is it, to, it's, it's Woodenville? It's called Woodenville, yeah. Okay. And and for this, the, I guess, Woodenville, I, I are, are a lot I of... Yeah, Woodenville. Yeah. Are, the, um, are the vineyards located close to Woodenville or no okay no, so that's about that three-hour drive yeah to, oh to cool Yakima Valley so it's all tasting rooms. like we can't do that here in Ontario it's like having imagine having uh, you know a half an hour north of Toronto having an area uh, of just tasting rooms so cassava, you know it is it is one trias, thing that we definitely need to look at is getting rid of the wineries in in Ontario to be approved by the QA our governing mm-hmm. body you need to have five acres Attached to the property. So yeah. an, an urban winery will never exist in Ontario, and it's a damn shame right. because um, seeing the urban wineries in Eugene, Oregon, and now hearing about Wood, Woodinville. Uh, <laughs> well, Woodinville, but it's, that's, how you, uh, that's how you spell it, Woodinville. Right. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm not going to be able to unsee it now that you've said it. That's going to be <laughs> yeah, Woodinville. Okay, so, yeah. uh, but I mean, like, that's, like that's a porno movie. Is there another jar for that? Yeah, <laughs> totally. There, it was last time, so. But yeah. it's, it's something that's like, it sounds like it would be a great, uh, like a, a great experience to be able to do a, 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 a fancy pub crawl. Yeah, no. Yes, yeah, that's and as you we see were that. driving around. I remember going one, two, three. Okay, I'm out. Yeah, yeah exactly, so. exactly. Right around those those roundabouts, you've got you know twenty five, thirty different tasting rooms, yeah. and and you can actually walk it. Yeah, yeah just, you just walk around, grab an Uber or in and out, and and call it an afternoon. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what you should be doing. I know yeah. you want to go to Washington. That's probably the best well, way to you experience. Know what, it, but it sounds like it sounds like in, 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 in but it sounds like a you experience because you said on multiple tours that you're sick of barrel cellars <laughs> and tank rooms I, I, yes, and, I, and and vineyards like because I, I, I everybody always takes you into their barrel room everybody always takes you into your tank room and and the first th- thought is always 
Ooh, barrels. Damn. Have you ever seen a bottling line before? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So you okay, see but all I'm that still someone thing. that I, I find that stuff fascinating. Still totally. to see. Totally. I'm not a curmudgeon like Michael because I when <laughs> I see the tanks, one? it's it's they all are a little different. Everyone's they doing things a little are. different. They're made by you know one company out of Italy. Or no, you're not two paying companies. enough attention, Michael. Oh, no, okay. but that that makes sense, Andre. I I feel like. Especially, you know, I've done 30 or 40 of these different tours, and so I'm yeah. totally in the same, you know, realm here now. But you're right. Those first couple of times you yeah. see a barrel room, a tank room, you watch a bottling line go. I mean, I made you go to the Columbia Crest bottling that line. One, that one was something that you have to witness. If you go to the Columbia yeah, Crest bottling line, yeah, I imagine that's uh, something that's out of a three miles of, of oh, bottling man. line. Like There's it's all just, these laser-guided mechanical arms. Sorry, it's, it's so a three-mile cool. bottling line? It's not a three-mile. It, it feels <laughs> like it's three miles. It's out of bare, like, it's, it's, it's the longest like, bottling line in the world. Well, I don't know that that's true, but their their winery them, itself is 18 acres of underground, you know, temperature-controlled space and it's fascinating what is the production of chateau saint michel how many cases are they pumping out so chateau saint michel and saint michel wine estates all in uh with the multiple you know columbia crest and a few others um is about 7.5 million cases so they're they're the biggest winery in washington state i think they're they're one of the biggest wineries in the world really um and uh, actually are one of the largest producers of riesling on the planet that yeah. was that was the one that that shocked me when you when you announced that and then they repeated it at the winery yeah that they make they are as, like a family-owned winery, they are the largest producer of Riesling. Right. Well, it's, so yeah, absolutely. They, as yeah. I think, they produce about a million cases of a single skew of Riesling. And the funny thing is, you think about um, you know large-scale production, you think you're losing quality. I think one of the coolest things about that specific winery is their dedication to quality on those on on each individual you know program. Right. For example, you go to Columbia Crest. There's a, there's a room that's I think it's twelve thousand barrels of Chardonnay. Every single one of those barrels is hand-stirred every single week. So they're taking that small-scale wine-making approach to a larger-scale system. Okay, and I know you're the Washington wine guy, so obviously you're going to say that. But for people listening to this podcast, if you're not a fan of Columbia Crest and and Chateau Saint-Michel, it is definitely a great way to get into warmer climate, full-bodied American wine without sacrificing quality because there are other... Products on the shelf of similar price than a $20 bottle of Columbia Crest Cab Merlot or Cab Sauvignon that you can get at vintages nearly year-round right. from California that costs a little bit less, have a little bit more residual sugar that will not be named here by name. <laughs> um, it's like, it is... I'm, I'm having a brain fart right now. That's all right. It's, ex, I can, it's I can exponential. Fill, I can fill in your it part. is exponential. The difference right? in, it's that exponential. The difference in quality. <laughs> if you want to taste what really good American Cab Sauvignon tastes like, Chateau right. Saint Michel is the perfect way to spend twenty bucks. Right, but they also have beyond that. I mean, I know you talked about it on one of your previous podcasts that Cold Creek Chardonnay from Chateau Saint Michel. As a non Chardonnay guy, I yeah, mean, that was well. I tasted a lot because I wanted to bring some home to my wife. I was like, I've got to bring. Uh, I know I'm bringing cabs. Mm-hmm. I know I'm bringing Syrahs. I know I'm bringing Franc. But I got you brought. Get you something. mean you brought me that present that you blended at Chateau oh, Saint yeah. Michel? Yeah. yeah, that thing I blended. I brought that for Wait, you. Wait, and is that an experience that's available yeah. to yeah. tourists? Yeah, that's yeah. that's an awesome piece of tourism that's really just hit Woodenville. Which one um, of you is going to refresh what, the listeners' about? memory I mean, you about what it is you did? Oh, so what what you end up doing is uh, so you're at Chateau Saint Michel. You're in Woodenville, uh, which is there. It's their white wine facility. Is mm-hmm. there correct? Yeah. yeah. So it's the white wine facility that's there. And basically, they have – it's a room that, that has barrel. You got to picture this. You walk into this glass room, but in the, at one end is uh, these barrels. And you watch a video of the winemaker telling you how he makes wine and what he does. And then you get all the components of their, uh, their top-tier wine. Uh, you get Merlot, Cab Franc, uh, Cab Sauve, uh, Petit, Petit Verdot. Verdot. 
no no Malbec for what we did. So it was, I think it was four different grapes or five because I think Syrah also goes in there or something like that. It was really it was really interesting and 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 funny because what you get to do first of all is they give you a little test tube and you get to you know uh, do various tastings of the wine and, and get an idea of what you want and then you make your own blend and at the end they will blend and give you the bottle that you blended and then at the end one of the per- people said oh you, you somebody says oh what happens if I just made the exact wine that you're selling on the shelves he goes uh, no because we, we, we don't have one of the grape varieties that's actually in there so you actually can't make the same wine that, that they're selling because they've omitted one of the varieties <laughs> no, but so, it's, a, it's still a cool experience a to cool, learn, to you learn. Opened, I opened that bottle you loved it and well, and it's a cool experience to learn like how little of certain things can affect the taste yep. of your yep. wine. We talk about Cabernet Franc, and I don't want them to plant more, but like five, ten percent Cabernet Franc in a bottle of ninety percent Merlot makes a hell of a difference. Absolutely, yeah, it was it was really interesting to to, uh, to do that. And some people were doing you know, ninety five five. Uh, I I I did a seventy five, and then a, a bunch of other things. In I there. have to check my notes. I know we kept track of, of, of what you did, but it was really it was really cool. And and interestingly enough, uh, talking about uh, the the Riesling, not that we should uh, make this a commercial on uh, uh, Saddle Chambly Shelf. <laughs> well, I, was, I just pulled this up. It's a it's a, if you, anyone goes to my Instagram from uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, Two years ago, it's me dumping Cab so from a beautiful Magnum uh, oh, Chateau yeah. Saint Michel. That's their 50th anniversary yes. um, bottling right there. I had they? a few of those because I think they were like 50 bucks at the LCBO. Yeah, awesome. And it was it was a hell of a deal. Yeah. So I, I went to Florida after Washington. I just made, went there, and my uh, my father in law is a huge Riesling snob, right. and he wants just German and blah blah blah. And I said, you know what? I, I've got one for you that that costs a little bit less than your German. You may you may like it because he's like, no, no, I just want it dry. So we went, and I, I think in Florida it was like seven ninety five. It was like yep. stupid cheap. That makes sense. And total um, wine, huh? Total wine? No, it was the, like uh, Publix, S- Safeway, or so, yeah, okay. yeah, Publix out there. And I brought it home, and or I brought it to their house, and he's like, "Oh, well, we were leaving the next day," and phoned us up later. He goes, "That was a really, that was a really good recommendation." I so I love that wine because so we bring a lot of big trade groups out, um, and we often do comparative tastings and. I love using that wine. Exactly. It's, I think that's the Chateau Saint-Michel Riesling. Yeah. Um, that's the, ca- the one that they make close to a million cases of. Yeah. Uh, we'll put that up in a lineup with some of the top Rieslings of the world. And, you know, people will, when the unveil happens, people are just floored yeah. by, <laughs> by the fact that that is a $7.99, you know, U.S. Riesling that's yeah. coming out of Washington. And Where's the vineyards for, uh, to grow Riesling? So it's, uh, obviously, it's obviously too hot in, in Walla Walla, I'm guessing, to grow Riesling. Yeah, yeah. In, in some of the areas, it, it will be, you know, frankly, I don't know exactly where, where okay. those would be, but one area that's really on the, on the come up is called the Ancient Lakes ABA, which is a little okay. bit north of the Yakima Valley. Um, so that's a, that's a really cool area, but I think that a lot of the influence that, that Chateau Saint-Michel has gotten and is the reason why, one of the, the many reasons why they've been so great at making um, Riesling is actually some of the influence from the Germans. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Arroyaca Project, that Shadow Saint Michel oh, yeah, does with, uh, with uh, Dr. Ernst Lusen, yes, um, or Lusen, yeah, of course. And so he's actually been making wine with Shadow Saint Michel in Washington for for you know well over a decade now, and has has definitely instilled some of his um, philosophies on winemaking of Riesling in you know in the. And that's a delicious there. bottle of Riesling. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, anybody gets a chance to. I don't think it comes into Canada at all. I've never you, seen it. I, I'm I'm sure that yeah. I've seen it here somewhere before because I'm. I, or it might be a classics, maybe. I don't think it's classics. It's not terribly expensive. 
We'll just have to keep our eyes open for it. Yeah, because it's usually a really good bottle. Of re- I remember buying one in the states at one point. Oh, it's it's a it killer really bottle. Good. It's well, a and I know bottle. I know that I've had it as well too. It's it's just a, it really is a stunning bottle. Of uh, I guess before we we, we step off, because oh. now that we've done a commercial for Chateau Saint Michel <laughs> for the past uh, eight minutes, we actually have uh, 2015 Columbia Valley Merlot in our glass, and yeah. we've got we've got milk chocolate in the glass right now. This yeah, is nice. absolutely. I actually milk. just bought this at an LB, LCBO store uh, a few hours ago because we wanted to to show this Merlot. Um, so it's 2015 Merlot from Chateau Saint Michel. Um, General list, is it not? Yeah. Was it, on, was it in the vintage section? I think it was in the vintage section. Okay, so I think it's, it's going to be an essential listing. Oh, okay, that's why. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure for sure. That's a little bit outside of my. Okay, out of your you know, comfort I don't follow zone? every skew, so. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, you should probably should. After but. this commercial, you. It's a, it's a, it's a vintage should. listing, $21.95 a bottle. But, is it, yeah. uh, but it doesn't say essential or anything? Uh, no, it does not say essential. Could be, though. Soon enough. Soon enough. I, I believe it probably would be. Yeah, this so. is. I mean, it's, it's funny. Merlot is is one of those grapes that I think a lot of a lot of folks feel has had a fairly bad rap. Um, you know, since especially uh, American Merlot. <laughs> yeah. I like Merlot. I want everybody to know that. Yeah. I really think Merlot is is like a fun grape. I, I like Merlot when it's when grape. it's ripe. I know I've spent a fair amount of time crapping on Ontario Merlot, and I, I stand by that. But Ontario Merlot needs time. Yeah, it's it's one of the weirdest things. I I think Ontario Merlot, if you get it young, it is really harsh and hard to drink. You give it three years, and something happens in that bottle, and it just mm. snaps into place. Or you uh, could just buy Columbia Valley Merlot that's already I, ripe, that's not fussy, that you don't need to spend a bunch I, I, of time I have, with. I have a friend I'm with who, you, Andre. Who, <laughs> I have a friend who hates Merlot. She always like, oh, I hate Merlot. And this one's for you, Sue. Um, she's like, I hate Merlot. And just one night, I'm like, you know, down to the cellar, porter glass. And it was a Peninsula Ridge 2012 or something. Okay, Peninsula Ridge, Peninsula Ridge and Featherstone, I think, are the two exceptions to the rule for right Merlot. And they were like, but she, out of 150 like, wineries, wine. I'm like, it's two. Merlot, and she's yeah. like, damn you. Well, let's so. talk about some great Merlot then, yeah, and talk it, about please. Washington, right? You, they, uh, <laughs> God, love to turn a phrase. Um, <laughs> God forbid we should have a plug for anybody. Man, Doug, else. that's some good media training right there. Oh, no, no. self-taught, no okay. lessons. <laughs> no, uh, this is one of those fun, fun grapes. I, I would say that, uh, actually, I've, I brought a, a number of different media out from, from Washington, and I think that one of the quotes that people always, always um, bring up is, I forgot that I love Merlot. Um, and Washington State definitely makes some killer Merlots. Um, you know, the, it's it's definitely got a bad rap, and it's been a, a tough run. But I think that we're seeing a we're seeing a, a you know a, re, a rise hopefully over the next few years in, in this grape. And I, I think, I, that I it's think good stuff. Merlot from Washington was uh, was probably what most people would have tried from Washington first. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, yeah. I think, was- I think Merlot. I think West Coast Merlot, not just California, but I'm talking. Uh, British Columbia and Washington, Oregon. You can't talk about that. They just Pinot and Chardon. Yeah, and okay. Green, but I mean, but I, I think more people would have had a Merlot before they would have done a Cab. I, th- I think Merlot was the calling card first. Mm-hmm. Cab is now the calling card from Washington. But because I remember, for me, it's I always been Cab. In the in the, t- in the like the ten years that I've been doing this, it's always been right. Washington Cab. Like when was when so, would Merlot have been laying the groundwork? Yeah. So in this is a little bit before I was drinking wine necessarily, but the in the uh, kind of in the nineties and and early early two thousands, uh, Merlot was was definitely kind of the rising star of Washington State. Um, and there was uh, there oh God, was a, Hollywood killed it, didn't and it? And Hollywood pretty much killed it. So there was actually a lot of wineries that were starting up focusing in on Merlot. Yep. Um, but BC did the same thing. Then a huge, yep. huge transition. And um, honestly, it's it's a great grape. 
hope to see it come back. Um, and Washington, I think, does it exceptionally well. I think it is making a comeback. I yeah. think people are secretly drinking more Merlot than they want to admit. Well, it's and I don't know things, why. I when, don't know why you, everybody's suddenly a closet Merlot fan. Yeah. It's, 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 once again, it's, it's the power of that. Like, that movie was so huge. And mm-hmm. if you don't know, we're talking about Sideways. But that movie was just so Fine huge movie, that, right. the, uh, that the, the impact still exists. But the thing is, you get a good bottle of Merlot. It's not as fussy as a, a, a cab stove that has... A little there's, firmer. There's no other grape that has that closeted effect right. to it, people. Do you know what I mean? Merlot is just, it's totally a closet grape. Nobody's Well, you are you're I'm a closet th- Chardonnay lover. I'm not, <laughs> but thank you very much. And that's the only place to drink it is in the closet. So what are you doing in your closets? Drinking, Drinking Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. That's what, yeah. But nobody ever goes. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a closet Pinot Gris drinker. But right. he's like, so I drink Pinot Gris. Right. And, and then we like, judge well, you. We judge wine, you anyways, But that's yeah. that's just. Uh, but to be fair, I, I think when you, if you say you drink Merlot, there's some people in the room who say, well, you're drinking boring wine, and I don't think that that's the case. No, well, and that's. I mean, I, I really do think that's that. No, to a degree, the sideways effect, right? And the funny part about that whole thing was, wasn't his favorite. Wine in the world, the one he'd been saving forever, wasn't that a Merlot? I think it's a Merlot based, isn't it? Shout out, uh, the Cheval Blanc. Cheval Blanc. It's, yeah. it's uh, Merlot Cap Franc. Yeah. yeah. So, so interesting. Anyway, great Merlot. Shout out St. Michel, uh, Merlot, Columbia Valley 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Chateau St. Michel, my mailing address is for Bell Size Drive for the check for this uh, <laughs> this paid advertisement. And but, make that out to Andre and Michael. No, but I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's serious. Like, it's um, when I'm reaching for cab, I don't have a lot of money. I'm picking up Chateau St. Michel or Columbia Crest. Sure. Well, all, right, let, all right, so let's stop so let's with the, reach for cab. Let's, yes. let's reach for the, <laughs> that bottle let's call is it gorgeous. Cab. So oh, now I'm uh, opening up the uh, Columbia Winery Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, it's uh, oh, go ahead. yeah, he's got a little Merlot in there because he likes a cab <laughs> Merlot blend. So this, cool. uh, I, I think, uh, is, Andre doesn't like a straight varietal. <laughs> I think this is going to be fairly new within the last wow. couple of couple of years to your, to your market. Yeah, um, that is that is some intensity that's, to it. That's ripe, ripe. What year is that one? Is that, that a 16 is, uh, as well? 2015. Okay. 15, good year. Yeah. Uh, 15 is a great year. It was a hot year. Okay. Um, it was actually the hottest year on record in, in Washington. Sorry, we, is that 13.7 or 15.7 alcohol? That is 13.7. Okay. Not to be mistaken with 15.7. No, <laughs> it, was, it was hard to see from well, the well balanced, room. though. We had a really nice balance uh, on, on this wine. The concentration the, of, the, of yeah. flavor on this is great. How much is this? This one is also right around that twenty dollar mark. Shut up! I can't. Yep, absolutely. I think. Uh, no, 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 shut up! No, shut up! Oh, like that, shut up. Should I go? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just leave the wine and back out of the room. <laughs> twenty bucks. Slowly. Yeah, absolutely, cool. absolutely. Okay, I think I'm done with Chateau Saint Michel, Columbia Winery. We'll go there. Wait, is Columbia Winery subsidiary yeah. of Well, funny Saint enough, <laughs> across the street from Chateau Saint Michel, we got Columbia Winery, which. Uh, okay, but it's not a subsidiary. Not at all. Okay, that's not it. At all. We're done no. with the Chateau Saint Michel Columbia Winery. Let's, <laughs> no, say it again. Let's say it. <laughs> you want to say Chateau Saint Michel one more time, just uh, for the record? No, so it's it's actually a, a funny story, and not to say it one more time, but uh, basically the first winery in Washington State, Chateau Saint Michel, CS, was CSM. 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 We'll just go. We'll just go there for time. Actually, um, was started by a group of people called the Associated Winemakers or Associated Vintners, I believe it was. Okay. And those that group of people ended up splitting off and creating two different wineries: Chateau Saint Michel and or CSM and uh, Columbia Winery. And so Columbia Winery then had a really, really uh, strong influence by a, a master of wine, a gentleman named David Lake, who was a gentleman who actually got Washington to start planting Syrah for the first time and it had a huge impact on not only the vineyards but also the winemaking process in, in the region. And yeah, at, at 20 bucks, definitely a steal. 
Um, but they make some killer wines and, and have for, for many decades now. Sorry, did we mention how much the Lake Hall 41 Syrah was? So, sorry. I imagine that's a little bit more than the it $20 is gonna be we've a been drinking. More. Yeah, so this I'm is probably... I'm going 41. Yep, that's about right. Nice. That's about right. 41 Canadian or 41 at the winery? Uh, so at the winery, Canadian. I think this is going to be closer to like 30, 35. Cool, cool. Uh, so that's great. That's he- great value. Yeah, out here, I think that that's going to be closer to probably... A, Whatever that would be, 40, 40, 41. maybe 41? Yeah. No, yeah, let's go 41. Let's go 41. 95. Yeah. 95. I don't think the LCO brings anything in that they can't tack a 95 onto. <laughs> this Columbia Winery Capsule is awesome. It has it's a really lot of good. depth. It is, for 20 bucks, you're getting a lot of complexity on this. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I would, I would totally agree. I, I mean, it's one thing if, 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 too. I mean, if, if we want to If we want to say anything about the Merlot, the Merlot is a little bit simpler, more straightforward, definitely more yeah. crowd-pleasing. Uh, definitely a great food wine. And who made that Merlot? Please tell me again. Uh, I can't remember. CSM. <laughs> okay. CSM. But the, the Columbia wine that we're having like got a little bit like well a lot of spice in the mid palate. Cassis from like front to finish. Uh, good cherry, dark cherry right on the mid palate. Um, a, little, a little dark, uh, a little bit of sweet chocolate in there too. Definitely. Right on the back end. It, nice, it, it, nice it, acidity it, it, uh, that's that's really taken. And it's the it's tongue. almost like it's it's it's. It's almost like it's playing a joke on you where it feels sweet rolling off the back of your tongue, but there's no cloying to it, and I'm guessing there's no residual sugar in this yep. or, or very little left. Yeah. I would totally agree. It's a, it's a great wine out of Washington, for sure. And that's it? That's all you want to say? <laughs> what, what, couldn't, uh, couldn't shut you up on the trip. Now you got nothing to say, man. You know, I just I just got all talked out on that trip. You know, it's it's a lot of work running. Which up let and me down remind you, I was not on. I was not invited on. And there was hey, a reason. Hey, I, I set you up on a trip. You went to one winery. Remember? That's right. That's right. That I that I drove to on my own in the yeah. great Volkswagen Golf. Hey, we'll but get no. you on the next one. Absolutely. So, so let's yeah. let's say that uh, somebody wants to go out to uh, to Washington. Yeah, they want they want to learn about Washington wines. We were already talking about Woodenville, so but let's sort of that's, start with, that's let's, a place let's, to go. Let's start let's, with the, the absolute basics. D- don't dumb it down for me. Dumb it down for Michael. Well, yeah, of course. Well, uh, I, I mean, the, I mean, the I, basics. The basics would be go to Woodenville and just walk and, and taste. But step one is, but is you're flying. You step one, you're flying into Seattle, right? Yeah. That's okay. There's there's really three. If you want to go to Washington from a wine tourism perspective, there's really three different ways you can do it. One, we talked about go to Woodenville. Um, as one or two of your day trips, maybe stay over there. There's, there's some really beautiful hotels and, and, you know, spa areas called like Willow's Lodge, for example, really a stunning spot, but there's a lot of other areas that are going to be a little bit more affordable just around, uh, Woodenville. And that's a pretty simple either day trip or a couple of days, whatever. If you want to um, get out into really the, the mecca for wine tourism right now, it's, it's probably Walla Walla. Okay. Um, you're just seeing a bigger growth in terms of the, um, the food scene, you know, the culinary scene is, is trying to keep up with the wine scene. Like 30% of that industry now is, is around the wine industry. So it's definitely growing significantly. And you can certainly drive there and drive through the Yakima Valley and, and all in that whole area. But there's also a flight. You could fly straight down into, into Walla Walla and cool. just spend your time there. So uh, I guess given that you got the hot summers and the relatively cold winters, um, I know this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah. Is, is off-season tourism still good, or is that something you really got to plan ahead for? you you got to kind of plan ahead. Um, I would say that, that going in the spring or summer are definitely the best times. Okay. Um, one of the cool, really, really amazing things about you know being one of these, you know, even though we've been around for 50 years, a, a young wine region, is you have a lot of wineries that, that when you walk in the door of the tasting room on a, on a you know, Monday or Tuesday, you're meeting the winemaker. He's the one standing behind the, or she's the one standing behind the, the counter pouring wine for you. And that's a special you know, kind of experience for a lot of people. And maybe if it's your first wine region, that's really powerful. Yes, um, definitely. If going, in, going in the winter, I'd, 
it's kind of a no-go, but, but there's, there's definitely plenty to do. You'll definitely find, you know, tasting rooms open, wineries open, but you, you got to plan It's a plan flying. ahead. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a you're, you're not showing up at the winery door. It's a phone call. It's an email. Make sure that someone's there. Exactly. Uh, it'll be a different experience. So he said it's a, three, it's a three-prong thing. Yeah. So you have Woodenville. You said go over to Walla Walla. Absolutely. And what's the third prong it, of this? The, the third would be, it would be very similar to what, what we did. You know, you maybe fly into Seattle. You do your little tourism day. Then you go over to Woodenville. Maybe spend a day. Um, you know, popping into some of the your favorite tasting rooms or wineries, and then you you jet out first thing in the morning, and you you head over the over the mountains. What we did is we stopped at a place called Owen Row, and then you know Traveri Cellars are right Sinister there. Sinister Hand, good so, wine. Yeah, you love good that wine. wine. Oh wow! And then keep on going down into um, into the Richland area, and there's from that as your home base. There's all kinds of different routes you could go. You could go out, you know, out in the Horse Heaven Hills. You could you know pop up in onto Red Mountain if you've got some connections up there. There's all kinds of areas around there, and then closing out your trip going down into Walla Walla um, is definitely a, a it's a must see and, and definitely a stellar part of that option. But that's definitely you are a wine tourist at that point. That is what yeah. you are there for. So, uh, have you guys hit a thousand wineries yet? I know that the, the, the yeah, that front of the, the magazine question. was uh, I think 979 plus. We so, are. is it and is it a so, thousand? Years? And it's so heartbreaking. I can't make it there this summer because Michael gave me the magazine when he came back being like hey you're thinking about going there I have it on my coffee table <laughs> just mocking me sitting right. there and he's done unspeakable things to it oh, oh. Yeah. and there's a jar for that jar too. yeah that's one in the jar uh, you know we're, we're I, I actually don't know. I've been I've been traveling for the last like six months, so I oh, don't. Geez. So really of course they could have. I think one opens every thirty days or something. We, Isn't that what it we is? Are, so? I don't think we're there yet. We because we will definitely make a big deal. Uh, so Washington State is is the sixth most followed wine region on social media right now in the world, and so at wa underscore state underscore wine would definitely let you know if we were already there. Um, and there's going to be a huge. Uh, we've got hashtag wa wine hashtag. Wah, wah, uh, wah wine world that are going to be blowing up. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Michael's also, the one who takes care of the social media yeah, thing yeah, on this, so keep yeah. throwing them out there. Uh, and and you, have, you also have a new one. It's the, uh, you know which one I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hashtag new epicenter. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. This is kind of us stepping out from behind our own shadow, you know, recognizing ourselves as, as the great wine growing region that we are and, and not hiding behind the fact that we are super new and young, but... You know, media is talking about us. Trade are talking about us. It's, it's okay, when you say new time. and young, sir, when when is the starting point for Washington? Yeah, starting point for Washington. Shouldn't have this been like a question a while back? <laughs> really? No, I mean we talked about the wines that are good. We and you know what? It's nice we actually talked about stuff that people listening to the podcast can go and get at the LCBO. All right, so Washington start. You said fifty years. So when is the? So as a commercial wine region, yeah, about fifty. I think it's probably fifty-two years now. Uh, but really, the the beginning was the beginning was back in uh, in the late eighteen hundreds. Um, with with some small you know things smatterings here and there, but then obviously in the states we had this small thing called prohibition. That we had it here in Canada. Too. Oh well, yeah, I of course. That, but that's we, right. that's, we that's smarted up before you guys. Did. <laughs> Correct, but that we but we did and we didn't. You know, we stopped it in 1929, but then we said, hey, we Let's, have a great idea. Yeah. Let's start the LCBO. That's a really good thing. <laughs> Listen, we should and not we let's... should not get the guy who's trying to do business with the LCBO. No, to oh, we love the LCBO. LCBO. I, had, uh, I had a meeting with them today, and and we're really and did unspeakable things to them to make sure that wine gets in. We're looking forward to having. Them as a strategic partner for sure. <laughs> okay. No, as, they're like in the Pacific Northwest. They're really liking that uh, yeah. that that zone. I'm starting it's to been, see. You know in, what? Like from from a consumer standpoint, like it's been really exciting to see some of the the prices 
come down for some of the wines from the Pacific Northwest. I think the problem that we had before was literally everything from Oregon was 45 bucks plus. Yep. Washington has always been value price, but we're seeing prices of Oregon wines, like in Toronto Life, we're talking in uh, August about a $20 uh, Pinot Noir. That yeah. is just awesome. Really good. But, really good. but there's, there's some really good tender love and care being paid uh, to the Pacific Northwest from uh, BC down to Oregon. There. But, if, yeah. but if, I, if I remember, one of the things is that Washington is like number one for value wine. Isn't that what one of the yeah, statistics so when I was there? That... We, we aren't hanging our hat on that as much anymore no. because as when you talk about points, you, you win some and you lose some, yeah. and you're it's they're definitely kind of falling off in some in some areas, but. From I think it was 2011 to 2017, Washington State had the highest uh, average percentage of 90 plus rated wines in the world, um, and on that, on those 90 plus rated wines, we had the lowest average price point. And the lowest average price point on a 90 plus rated wine was by a pretty significant margin. You know, half many of the major wine growing regions out there. So it's definitely a big part. Uh, that price to quality ratio has always been a huge factor for us. Um, and I know it's I know it's tough to to pin the word value to something because we don't want anyone to think that the wines are are cheap. cheap That's definitely no. not what I'm what I'm talking about, and uh, I'm sure it's not what you're talking about too. Because no. when, when we're talking about uh, you know great cab so it's even the ones that are on the table, we're not talking about eight dollar, you know, owned by a large corporation in either Italy or Chile pumping these bottles out. These are still real wineries stirring the barrels once a week by hand, yeah. making sure the quality is there. We're talking about twenty dollars, which is still Great value. So, so also when we're talking about the start of the region, we talked, you said 1800s, great. But I mean, when it really started to yeah. become a quality with Bob Betts and, and uh, Rick Small, uh, Woodenville, uh, Woodward Canyon mm-hmm. and, and Betts Wines. And, yeah, I mean, I, I like, can't. What, what, what's that? That's 52 years ago. That's, yeah, that's just, absolutely. I, I can't. I, yeah, absolutely. When we became a commercial wine region was probably, and sorry, but not, not to say it again, but Shadow St. Michelle yeah. was the first winery. And oh, they kicked the door open, let's be their honest. Their 50-year anniversary was a couple of years ago, and yes. they're kicking down the door around the world for us. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, absolutely. We've been a, com- a real true commercial wine region competing with, on the world stage for about 50, 52 years. And if you think about it in the wine world, that's that's young. Ontario's, yeah. you know, 40. New Zealand's in the 40s, too. So We're still you know, paying off our vineyards. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? Even before you were coming on the podcast, which I'm really glad that you took the time to look us up while you were in town. Yeah, absolutely. Washington is definitely at the top, very close to the top of my list. Right. It's, it's never, it's always a floating, like, top two, <laughs> three a floating places list. to go. But Washington, you know I've been talking about Washington for a while, so this is just incentive for me to, to get my ass back out there. Anya, we'll go taste some Cab Sauve. I know you're yeah, probably promises. not listening he to this, promises. but yeah, we got to get you some Cab Sauve. Neither one that. of our wives listens to the podcast anymore. <laughs> it's because sometimes they sit in, like, they, they can hear us in the background, yeah. like, just shut up, you two. So, um, but, you guys are still going? Yeah. So, Doug, and, thank you very much. So I, I really like talking to Doug. I liked talking to him on the trip. I liked talking to him over dinner. Uh, we ended up going to, I think, what is it called? Pearl or something like that? Yeah, Pearl down there on uh, Queen's Key, a really great Chinese And it was uh, shocking how place. well those wines, and they were all red wines that we ended up at dinner with, yep. how they all paired with that food. I yep. was not expecting red wine to go with, uh, you know, Food of the Orient, let's say, and because um, you always think it's got to be white, it's got to be Riesling, it's got to be Gewurztraminer. Well, but, and, and I mean, we, those reds we, and, really held up. And we really had a, a variety of uh, types of food on the table. Like we went from uh, some dumplings, some hargau and shumai, uh, like some more dim sum stuff. So uh, Washington wines, red wines, will go with your dim sum if you feel like 
crushing that for your uh, brunch. We also had a spicy lamb dish. And I had uh, no some, idea some that you liked chicken feet. That scared the crap out of me. It wasn't just me. Doug liked chicken feet, too. It's, it, they, I'm usually they, the only person at the table who likes chicken feet. Doug was all they, about them. They walked out from the, on, off the plate onto your plate and yep. into your mouth, and you ate them with gusto. Definitely. They were tasty. Uh, I, yeah. Thank God there was wine on the table. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I, I know this is definitely not the last time we're going to be talking about uh, Washington wines. We'll be keeping our eyes open for all of those wines uh, coming through the LCBO. I don't know if they're all coming, but I hope some of them do. Well, we can only hope. Yeah. Anyways, thanks Good again luck, to Doug, Doug. Thanks again to Doug for uh, giving us the time, uh, Michael. You know, a, a tiny shout out to you for uh, making sure that this this happened. You did a lot of the work to set this up. It was it was, it was great to uh, it's great to to touch base again with Washington. I, I hope we get to do it. You know, as you said, many more times. You can make sure that we can continue making this podcast by supporting us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. And I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Take it away. Because I do this better than you. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.